folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show here on the thelandofisrael.com, broadcasting live from Jerusalem to the world, and you're a part of it wherever you are right now. We're in beautiful Beit Midrash Sulamia Akov uh, in the heart of Jerusalem, the Nachlaot neighborhood. And what you just heard right now was the siren of Yom HaZikaron, the siren of uh, Israeli Memorial Day. And uh, Memorial Day is not a day of sales in this country, and I, I don't think it should be anywhere uh, that. But here in Eretz Israel, in the land of Israel, in the state of Israel, uh, Memorial Day is exactly that. It's a day of uh, remembering the people have fallen. And throughout the day today, wherever I have uh, been spoken with people, I've asked them, who's your one person that you remember? Who's the one person that you remember? And people just, uh, you know, this morning I spoke to the driver of my uh, daughter's school, and he just had a faraway glance, and he just said to me, uh, my first Miloim was the Yom Kippur War in what was called the Chava Sinik, the uh, Chinese farm, uh, which was an area in Sinai, and, and a lot of people fell down there. And he just, he just looked away, and you know, and a lot of people remember uh, individual people. And one of the master strokes of social engineering of the founders of the State of Israel, the modern State of Israel, was the linkage between Yom HaZikaron, Israeli Memorial Day, and Israel Independence Day. Uh, in Rabbi Gorin's book, the first chief rabbi of the army, he attributes it to, to himself, uh, together with Ben-Gurion, who came up uh, with this uh, idea. And it's a pleasure to, to um, it's an honor to, to be here in Jerusalem and to hear that siren that you just heard. And I'm not alone. I'm here with Rabbi Mike Foyer on Spiritual Cafe. Rabbi Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ishai. It's good to be here. So today is uh, is that day. Uh, you know, people that are going to be listening to the show might very well be listening already on Yom HaTzma'ut. And that shift between um, between those two emotions, <laughs> again, a, a masterstroke of, of social engineering, just such a brilliant way to actually make Memorial Day important and then Independence Day so much more meaningful when you realize the sacrifice that has been made in order to get there. I feel like for me, um, especially because I never served in the IDF and therefore have been spared that um, loss of friends and, and, and loss of family that so much characterizes the Israeli experience. For, for me, the joy of Independence Day is a reflection of the struggle of my family and, and the, the Jewish people and the, the sacrifice to simply allow me to sit here in the sun and um and to enjoy a, a full and rich life and i feel like the this that switch from from yom azikrom to yom atzmut from the from memorial day to independence day in many ways encapsulates the that redemptive power of what it is to be back in our land and and do you agree with me that there was just um it was a master stroke of of thinking to to unify those two things i sometimes feel bad in America and other places where Memorial Day doesn't have that. Imagine if Memorial Day was July 3rd. Right. I, I, think, I think that would have made a lot more sense. Uh, perhaps, and, and I think that one of the reasons that Memorial Day in some communities in America, mind you, there are plenty of communities in America, particularly in the last decade, where it has become serious once again. But in many communities in America, it's not. And, and I think that's because it, it, America is dealing with a professional army. Uh, since you know the 70s, Going to the army has been a choice and is essentially a mercenary army. Whereas here, as a citizen army, um, are both our fight to survive and our glorying in what it is to be alive um, is very personal. 
It's very personal. It's personal, and it's it's close. You know, the one of the challenges of being in a in something like the American Army is that you're in an army that's that fights battles that you don't exactly understand with a people that you don't understand, uh, and in back of you is not what we have here, which is kilometers to to, to back in back of the front. It are you know are your parents or your children? So it's a, it's much more personal, as you're saying. Yeah. Um. Any case, so Independence Day. Uh, fifty-seven seventy-six. I was uh, I started off my day yesterday uh, by being called in for a small um, memorial commemoration yesterday morning, the day before Yom Hazikaron, uh at the tombs on the Mount of Olives of Mayor Barazani and Mo- uh, Feinstein and Barazani. Mm. These are two young men. One was eighteen. One was nineteen. Uh, who. Uh, were caught by the British for terrorizing the British uh, in order to gain, gain independence from them, in order to get them to leave, and they were sentenced to a hanging. And they told their British captors, "We will not hang. We will, we will, we will find a way to, to to kill ourselves because we will not give you the pleasure. And you should know that that hanging is not a way that we're going to go down." And uh, anyway, they they were able to sneak in a, um, a grenade, and they embraced each other. Uh, and uh, they sang Hatikva very loudly, and uh, and then they they blew each other up. Uh, one thing I didn't know is that right next to their tomb, right next to their tomb, is another tomb uh, of a man named Mizrahi. The next morning, the British were so angry that they came out shooting in the streets. Yes, and they injured thirteen people. And this this man Mizrahi, who was a father of ten, he was thirty nine years old, was shot. And he and he and he was hit, and he went to somebody's house to to try to get bandaged, and and they pulled him out, and he died on the street. Wow! Uh, and he, you could see it, the next day he dies, uh, and and just just this like shocking, you know, extra. I have been living on the Mount of Olives for five years now. I've been to that those tombs many times, um, and and the incredible self sacrifice of the Jewish people, and and I I wanted to to um, compare that to the fact that this week's Torah portion and more is also full of the Jewish holidays. There's these two sets of Jewish holidays. Uh, one is the, the, the Torah holidays, mm-hmm. and one of these holidays uh, that are the modern Israeli holidays. Now, for some people, maybe some people in the ultra-Orthodox camp uh, and other camps as well, the Torah holidays, they're the real ones, but the modern Israel holidays, they're a construct of, of man Kind of modern, come and go, not really that moving, not really that me. I don't identify necessarily with these holidays because they're kind of, you know, the flag and country and all that, how should I say, like, stuff of 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 regular civilization. Of, of ephemeral life. Of ephemeral life. You know, I mean, if I may, there's a, there's a, I think a big picture is important to paint for people here because... What I hear you asking is you can you can state it as a as a subset of our society that rejects these holidays or a subset that accepts them. But really there's a question in there is will we succeed in making them fully real? Or or should we succeed? Or should we succeed? So so just to paint a, a full picture, right, the, the the primary day of sanctity in the Torah is Yom Kippur. Shabbat. Okay. Gotcha, right? Why? Because Shabbat is part of the construct of creation. Right. right. If God forbid there were no Jews in the world, there would still be Shabbat. But by the way, just let me let me just for tiny parentheses tell you that the another driver that I spoke to yesterday said to me, he said to me, Yom Hazikaron, Israel Memorial Day, that's the holiest day on the calendar for me. Mm. That's what he said. And the way he said it, it was just um He wasn't dissing Yom Kippur or Shabbat. 
he no, just, for sure not. He was he just was he was like this is the holiest day because this is where people were martyred. People, this is where people became holy for us. It's very powerful, and I want to come to that. So let's hold that at, sure. at the end. So and there's there's Shabbat, Shabbat, which is part of the construct of creation. Then you have what are known as the Moadim, right? The appointed times. These are the festival holidays, and also you mentioned Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. These are the holidays that God commands in the Torah, but they they are um, an embodiment usually of historical events. Standing at Sinai, leaving of Egypt, you know, uh, the wandering in the wilderness. So God commands, but actually it lies on the Jewish people to um, to uphold them, right? Classically, it was the Beit Din, the high court in Jerusalem, that fixed the day of the calendar. They told us when the festivals fell out. So that's so the next step. The third step, because you left the piece out, are Purim and Hanukkah, and also Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, because these are the days in which they are. The Jewish people, through its leadership, understood its historic experience, right? The salvation from the Greeks, the, the defeat of the Persians, you know, the memory of the destruction. And we decided to fix that as a, a point in time forever. And there are various ways in which we know that there was divine approval. So you see how the agency moves from the purely divine to the partnership to really into the hands of Am Yisrael. And, 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 and Hanukkah... And Purim uh, became, and Tisha B'Av became central days in the Jewish calendar. Tisha B'Av mir- mirroring uh, the, uh, Yom Kippur in its kind of uh, heaviness. Absolutely. And, and Hanukkah in, in its uh, celebration joy. of nationalism. Yeah. And Purim with its you know, victory and joy. And the key is, is, and is, particularly in Hanukkah and Purim, it's very apparent, was what the sages succeeded in doing is taking a particular historic experience and deriving from it its essential message, right? Hanukkah is the battle of light over darkness. Purim is the struggle of the hidden and the revealed. And there's many other things. I don't want to reduce them, but you see how they took a historic experience and they didn't abstract it and get rid of the historic experience, God forbid. What they they realize is that in, for the Jewish people in our ability to elevate consciousness, individual historic experience can have existential significance. And so this is the question which we receive when it comes to days like Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzmut. Will we as a people be able to take our particular historic experience in all of its importance and all of its holiness, right? Can I take that cab driver's statement that this is the holiest day of the year, which he absolutely means, and I agree with you, and I, and I empathize with it, but it's a reflection not of some abstraction or some theology. It's an expression of his experience, therefore, as real as it gets. And can we somehow encapsulate that into something which that a thousand years from now, 1,500, 2,000 years from now, that our descendants will be able to derive meaning for their lives from it? Because I would love it if our descendants 2,000 years from now never knew what it was to lose brothers, fathers, children, friends in war, right? But nevertheless, it w- I think it would be a terrible thing if they didn't understand what it is to give over oneself in all-consuming sacrifice, and 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 <clears throat> those days um, are mirrored. There are ways in which people have found, as you're talking about, a kind of tie into uh, greater forces that prove, shall we say, that these days have a, a kind of godly uh, uh, signature on them. Uh, people talk about the gra and the special days that he said that were, are within the sphera count and he pointed out to certain days uh, and which which line up with Yom Atzimut and the 28th of ER which is Yom Yerushalayim is also the passing day of Shmuel Hanavi and as I always tell people there's only one term I really 
maybe one or two terms that I borrow from Christianity. One of them is patron saint. And I always <laughs> say that, that Samuel, Shmuel the prophet, is a kind of patron saint of Jerusalem. He's always looking out on Jerusalem. You could see him from the mountain of Ramot over there, kind of looking out over Jerusalem. And it was on his day, his day of passing, that's commemorated and known that his tomb and the rest of Jerusalem was liberated. Appropriately so, because the role that Shmuel, that Samuel plays, is he is the midwife of Malchut. He is the one that births kingship into Am Yisrael. And, you know, let it be soon, let it be now. Kingship in Am Yisrael and the world will certainly flow from Jerusalem again. That's an amazing, that's an amazing thing. That, but, but we're talking about tying in those days. Um, and um, Yom Hazikaron... Um, I don't know if it's got that that kind of tie-in. Um, I think it's it's the most basic human tie-in there could be. Um, the to me, and like I said, I and, and Rav Goren was a rabbi of of a tremendous of stature, tremendous stature, and tremendous understanding of both state and Torah coming together. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And you, do, do you ever wonder? Do you think sometimes the founders are they like the first redactors of things? And then we get better with time. Sometimes it seems like the first to do it, if it's the Baal Shem Tov or Avraham Avinu, sometimes the first is like the, the penultimate. And you wonder how the first one reached such a conclusion that the later ones are, are having a hard time reaching. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, you can, you can look at many things. It's a question of whether things mature with age or degrade. Um, but, but I think that the, the essential message of, of Yom HaZikaron, um, which as I said, I... I I relate to this day, but I have been spared a truly personal attachment to it. Um, but I think it is the notion that while life is the most precious thing we have, there are things toward which it's worth giving it, right? Which is a very important difference that, that we have which mu- with much of the Western world. When we value life. Choose life. That is our entire stance in the world. At the same time, we understand that life's value is not found purely in living. And I, I feel like in many ways, that's the critical message here. And that's why, though it is a sad day, I feel like there's a deep joy which underlies it because it is a militant assertion of the real value of life. And there's a passionate joy of a society that is not only capable, but, but willing to embody that in the world. Rabbi Mike Foyer, regarding that very thing, uh, uh, later on in today's show, on the podcast, you'll hear some of the audio that I recorded yesterday at the Lone Soldier Center Memorial uh, Ceremony at Givata Tachmoshet in English. Uh, it was very beautiful. And you'll hear there Ari Cocker, and he was talking about, uh, I said to him, you know, when you say the word fallen, is it really fallen? It really means killed, killed in battle, lost forever. He's like, no, I don't accept that. Fallen means I've fallen and I get back up again. Mm. And, and as, I, as I drove to you to, to, to Beit Midrash Sulam Yaakov, sulamyaakov.com, uh, today, I was driving through a place that I drive every day, which is the Mount of Olives, and there was thousands of Jewish children on the mountain wow. walking around and being uh, uh, led around and taught about the various self-sacrifice that happened, the people that are, that are laying there, and uh, the mountain came to life. You know what I mean? That's wow. uh, that's that's Tchiat Meitim on the Mount of Olives. Uh, the Mount of Olives is supposed to be the place where 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 the, the Jew, the, where there's going to be the resurrection of the dead. You know, the resurrection of the dead may it really be exactly that, but but there's a different kind of resurrection of dead when you see the children of Israel walking on the mountains and recognizing the people that came before it and drawing the strength to live. Amen. 
let's take a little break here. I, I, I do want to thank uh, a few people. Uh, last week, I announced a, a contest uh, about uh, getting the flags of Israel. Interestingly, I've collected all the different flags. I have three big flags. One is a giant, 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 giant flag, which flies on the very, very top and apex of the Mount of Olives from the Hoshan building. So I have that one. Okay, I have that one. It's 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 torn. It's a very big flag. Right, it's a huge flag, and it's got and it's got tears from the wind. It's flown over Jerusalem for real. Then I have a second flag that flew on the very top of my building, which is also a very big flag. And then I have a third flag, which is a tad smaller yet still pretty big. You would consider pretty big that has flown over my mirpeset, my my balcony. Also, all three on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, in the wind uh, of of Jerusalem, the spirit of Jerusalem. So I have them all uh, uh, put aside. So the first was claimed by our patron, Jack, uh, uh, who dedicates the show to his wife, Lillian, and his sister, Sarah. And, and he just reached out immediately and said, you know, what can I do to, to win this flag? And he got it. He won that, the, the, the big, the big, big flag. Uh, he says he's going to drape it in his bedroom until his wife makes Aliyah. I say, great. So that's, the, that's number one. I had another few bites um, another few bites and nibbles, but nobody uh, got on the hook yet. Um, you gotta, you gotta be a donor to the show. You gotta help make it happen. You, to get this flag, it's, it's like a, you, you gotta earn it. It's, 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 it, you know, good feelings are important, but you gotta put something in it. It's, it's something that it costs money. It's gonna cost money to ship it, and it's worth, and it's worth something, and it's gotta be worth something to you. If, if, if you have to give money because it, it'll even hurt you a little bit, that's okay because this, this like, this thing is not a small thing. And, and I, you know, if, if you really do, an, you know, where I got this idea from, Rabbi Mike. Where's that? All right, my wife used to work uh, as an intern at Congress, mm-hmm. so she told me that sometimes they would buy new flags. And they had a model, you won't believe this, they had a model of the Capitol, uh-huh. and they would wave the flag over the model and then send it to their uh, constituents saying, this flag flew over the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, that's awesome. Oh, that's except, except the difference is, I was like, at least, but I won't fake it. This is going to be a totally real thing. So I realized that people want these flags. So that's number, that's number one order of business. Number two order of business is I want to... Um, do a shout out to uh, my friend Jeanette Michelle, mm. Michelle uh, out in Switzerland, uh, who helps us so much and is a great part of the show. Uh, and also Fred Pizov, who is out there helping us out. I also do want, want to make a shout out to Uri Karzen, who is the director general of the Jewish community of Hebron. Uh, Hebron, that's the uh, resting place of the fathers and mothers. He lets me do this show. You know, I, I, I work for Hebron, very, very busy. But he un- understands the uh, the importance of uh, of bringing out this kind of content to the world, this kind of Torah. That's what the Hebron people are all about. And Uri is also a listener, so he gives me a lot of comments about the show as well. So uh, Uri Karzan, keep up the good work, you and your your great family, who are really involved in um, in renewing the uh, possibility and connection of the Jewish people to their ancient homeland, especially in Hebron, especially to the fathers and mothers. So Yashir Koach. Today is uh, Israel Memorial Day. You are listening to the Land of Israel Network. This is the Yishai Fleischer Show. We're on Spiritual Cafe with Rabbi Mike Foyer here in Sulam Yaakov, Beit Midrash Sulam Yaakov. So what I, what I still wanted to understand from you uh, um, is there's these two like systems. And do you think that this, 
the, the, as they call it now, they call it, um, you know, there's the Chagim of the Torah, and then there's Chagay Israel, mm-hmm. these holidays of Israel. Do, do you think that they will be incorporated into the body uh, of, of Jewish consciousness? I would like to believe so, and I believe that that's the struggle that's happening in our generation. It, it, it's a question, does, does Independence Day become a day off where we all love to barbecue, which I am fully in favor of that being part of what we do, or are we able to also reach within it and think and really grasp the significance of our historical experience? And, 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 and part of what I think that, that we're lacking um, is, or I don't know if it's what we're lacking, I think what's, what's holding us back is, as we've spoken about before, the enormity, the enormity of the situation that we're in Absolutely. right now. I, at these times, I'm constantly thinking about what if I could go back you know, I teach history, so I like to pick a, a, a time, right? If I could go back to 17th century Poland and grab a Jew on the street and said, listen, there's this office there in the center of the city. You go there, you tell them you're Jewish. They'll put you in a metal tube, fly you through the air to Jerusalem, and there they'll give you food and clothing until you can find a job. He would look at me and say, when did the Messiah come in? Nobody told me. Right. We're living, literally living in such times. And and yet it's a struggle because the reality is that life on some level doesn't change. We got kids, got a job. We're in a, a difficult political and cultural situation, et cetera, et cetera. And, and yet it's so important to just step back and see the sunshine and realize the the miracle that we're living. Absolutely, uh, it is a miracle, and it is a grand time. It is the greatest project of the Jewish people in two thousand years. And I, I just want to tell you that yesterday. I went to something that I think was a first, a memo- not a, probably not a first, but certainly a first for us and not a very common occurrence, which is an English language memorial ceremony in one of the most central of Israeli sites dealing with Memorial Day, which is, which is Givat HaTachmosh at Ammunition Hill. You'll hear about it on the next part of the show. Um, my wife said to me, wow, we are part of a very special class of people. We're North, we're North American or Western country Jews. We're speaking English, and we've all chosen to come here. The people that we talked about dying yesterday, they died. They, weren't, they, weren't, they didn't have to be here. They chose to be here. Many of them, two cases yesterday, were people who were in the Army, were on leave in America, flew back, and then ended up dying in different wars, including Mikey Levine. So... You know, like we realize that to be a, a Jew who's chosen this land, it's a very, very special and very powerful thing. And in some ways, we're always going to be a tad outsiders. In yeah. some ways. And in some ways, what I felt yesterday is like we're on the inside of the inside. Like, like we, have, we really believe in this stuff. And, and when you meet American Jews that are here, you talk to them. Oftentimes, you're like... Well, that guy's pretty Zionistic. Oftentimes, that's a that's a regular occurrence because these people are the people the people that that are here. They've chosen it. They want it. They really, really believe in it all the way. It's the power of chosen consciousness. And I would I would take it one step beyond Zionism and, and use a word I don't know if you use it anymore, but you introduced to me this idea of Moriahism, right? That 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 Zionism as the rebuilding of the body um, is something which someone who was born here and and um, is a product of this society almost naturally contributes to. But but the the vision of reinfusing the soul into the Jewish people, into the world, I think that can only come from chosen consciousness. And and I really do believe that um those of us who who chose to come here and who, you know, God forbid, have the option to leave, 
And so therefore, every day becomes a renewed commitment to both to the reality and to the dream, right? We, we offer something very important, not only to this country, but, but to the world. Because I, I tell you a crazy story, right? Um, Love stories. I, I know someone who, for the last few years, has spent the Israel Memorial, uh, the, the Memorial Day today going to, there are a few joint memorials for um, Israeli soldiers and Palestinians. I don't know if you know this phenomenon that's begun in, in the last con- couple of, of years. So I asked him why, and I have to admit, I had a little bit of edge, because though I actually have probably more empathy than the average um, you know, right-wing religious Jew for the struggle of the Palestinian people to have a decent life, I f- somehow feel that this is perhaps not the best day in which to indulge in. And, 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 it's an, and, it's a, and, and the, the attempt there... Uh, it may be couched in very pretty language. Oftentimes, what what behind be, behind that that event is actually to erode. Uh, yeah, although, at least I, I let's put it this way: I perceive it as an erosion and of, for sure of, of of the Jewish narrative and and mixing the pains and, and therefore not identifying who the aggressor is and who the defender is, who's got rights, who doesn't have rights, and and that's exactly what it does. It, it masks those things. It, although it equates he, he, them. he really felt his experience was not. And one of the things he said to me is that. His vision of redemption is that the people who mourn in those moments should understand that the struggle of the Jewish people for sovereignty, and there's just no way you can slice it, that in the world until it's fully redeemed, the struggle for sovereignty is bound up with the assertion physically up to the point of violence that I will not move. I will not move and I will not be moved. His vision is that all the people there all of whom are who are a victim of our struggle for sovereignty, right? The the Jews who die fighting and and you know Palestinians that die fighting, they're all dying for the sake of our sovereignty. They should all realize that that it was for the good. That it was that it there's a redemptive vision that is going to emerge. Okay. And I, I just I find that an incredible like agree, don't agree. That's a consciousness that you could bring to to this conflict and and the vision of what is to, Jew, to be the Jewish people that that um, is truly unique, and and I feel like that potential to grasp a wholeness and not have it undermined, and that's key. I agree with you that so often what this is is a is a um, a wavering and and a guilt and and a fear of the enormity of the responsibility if we actually own what it is to be ourselves. But there's also an element where. Lo yisa goyel goy Right. Lo yomadu od milchama. That really, we have a, a nation here in order that in the long run, that the world should not have to know war anymore. You know, you know, Rabbi Mike, with regarding to not knowing war, I'm often, just yesterday I spoke with Habonim Dror, which is a socialist, left-leaning, kibbutz movement, uh, Jewish movement, okay? And um, so they said to me, they, they ask these things in different ways. They say, well, what about Jewish values? And what they understand is that what you just said now, which is the verse in, in, in Isaiah, uh, that, that, that a nation shall not take sword to another nation. We will not learn war anymore. That's a Jewish value. What I say to them is it is a Jewish value. Peace is a Jewish value. But first thing is, we cannot serve that value. We have to serve a higher value that is a value, but if that becomes the ultimate value, then we can become very easily suckers and, and weak, and 
it's like we can reach that, but we can reach it, as, as they say in American politics, peace through strength, meaning to say, yes, I, I am for peace, but it's not going to come through me being so obsessive about the word peace that it means that, I'm, that I become, uh, what's the word when you don't want to take up arms? Uh, pacifist. Pacifist. Meaning to say, I'm, I'm for peace, but I'm not a pacifist. I, I mean, on the contrary, you know who the, the great vision of, of, of like the, the failed messianic vision is in the Tanakh? Yeah, Yoshiahu. Remember King Yoshiahu, one of the, the last righteous king of Yehuda, right? How did he die? Do you recall? Tell us. So, so he led a revival in the kingdom of Yehuda, drove out all of the strange this gods. This is Josiah. Josiah, right? Drove out. He was the, during the time of the prophet Jeremiah. Wrote, got rid of all the worship of strange gods, broke down all their altars, really purified the people. And, and I know him specifically well because I lived in the town of Beit El. Josiah came to the town of Beit El. There was a, an alternative temple there. Yep. There was an alternative narrative going on there. Mm-hmm. And he destroyed all that and burned the bones of the, pri- of the, of the priests on the priest. altar. It's awesome. Like it, was, yeah. it was a total it's cleansing very, day. Very intense. And at a certain point late in his life, you know, the, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, went to go to war with the empire of Assyria. And anybody who knows the geopolitics of the Middle East knows that nothing has ever changed. Right now we're on the line between East and West. Once upon a time we were on the line between Rome and Parthia. And and then we were on the line between Egypt and Assyria. If you want to go to battle, you march up the coast of Israel and then you take a right and you head out. Right. So he marches out from Jerusalem with his army to stop Pharaoh. Why? Like Pharaoh says to him, like, what 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 business do you have with me? I'm going this way. I don't have any problem with you. I'm like and he says, no, 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 because the messianic vision is that lo yavor cherev ba'artzecha, right? That not only will we live in peace, but, but a, no sword will even pass through our land. He was so convinced that his commitment to God and his purity meant that he was really going to redeem the whole world, and he died there. Because, so there's an important message in, in what you're saying, is that first and foremost, our job is to make sure that we are who we need to be and doing what we need to do. Right, basics, and, like just the basics, you know, just just keep it keep it simple. And the, the the dream and the vision that we should bring about a redemption that war ceases from the world is an important one. We should never let go of it, but we should also never fool ourselves to think that you can skip steps on the way. That's what it seems to me. Right, and and skipping steps is part of it, but also not worshiping a value and and then and then in your mind making it the supreme Jewish value. I think we mean the same thing. I I find that some of these groups that I deal with they have they have a skew, they have a sense of Jewish value, but they've they've like they've like put it on, on in the pyramid incorrectly. They've lined it up incorrectly in terms of what Jewish values are. You know, Jewish values are, are peace. Well, well, you know, Jewish values are also war. The, arm, the, the Torah says make an army. The Torah says fight the bad guys. It, it, there's a lot of, you know, fighting the bad guys. For example, the, I was always amazed that the book of, uh, of Zechariah is really not a book of peace at all. It's oh, much more like fight, 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 fight to the end. Hold on, hold on strong. I mean, that's where the phrase the horses of the apocalypse come from. Right, <laughs> right. All right, let's get to uh, one last thing with you, Rabbi Mike, here, and that is uh, the very end of the Parsha. Strange story, two Jews are fighting. Two Jews are fighting. One Jew, or at least the son of an Israelite woman, um, curses... What, what does he do? He, he curses the name, or does he utilize the name? Somehow pronounces the name, and it says, and he curses. Uh oh! It's like imagine like a WWF fight, and they're like smashing each other with with like chairs and tables, and then some once one guy like says something, and everybody's like, <gasps> "You did not just say that!" 
and 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 everybody's like whoa 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 and they 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 separate the fighting guys ostensibly and they they bring the the one cursed to Moses and and Moses has to check like what happens when a when a when a person like no one has done this before <laughs> it's it reminds me a little bit of like of you know you know of uh uh, you know some of these movies anyway like like a child like says a curse and the parents are like ah! everybody's like oh my god what is gonna do and what happens is is that basically uh the order comes down that the cursor has to be taken outside of the camp everybody's got everybody who heard him who's a witness has to put their hands on their head and then later stone him to death that is the decision that comes down to that. What is this story about? What does it have to do with with Torah portion of Emor? Well, I think the story has a deep parallel with a very small but significant mention in the story of creation. You know, when you look at the genealogy that follows on creation, there's a, there's a generation which is called Dol Enosh, right? The the generation of Enoch. Right? Enoch. Enoch. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Right? And it says there, Az You don't speak Bibleese? No, I don't. Uh, it says there, Az Hashem. Right? Then, in the, the simple reading is, then they began to call... To call the name of God. The name of God. So beautiful. So beautiful, and yet the rabbis identify it as the source of all idolatry. Which is a very strange thing. As it is a very strange thing, why should this be a life or death issue that he said the name of God? Even if you're going to curse the name of God. But I think the answer is the same either way. What does it mean that that they, that by calling on the name of God that they began the root of idolatry? It's because as soon as you reduce God to a name, right, and, and it becomes something you can uh, put in your pocket. You own him. Systematize. Right? Not only do you know, own him, but the name becomes a substitute for a live relationship, mm-hmm. right? And it's a difference between thinking, you know, God forbid neither of us, of course, have ever cursed our fathers, but it's also something that, that the Torah forbids, right? But there's a big deal, big difference, sorry, between a kid who, when he's alone in his room or there with his friends, says mean things about his parents, than one who looks in his face and says, you are this and such, right? The second is a breaking of a relationship. The first one can be a lot of things, anger, teenagehood, etc. The second is essentially saying, you're no longer my parent, Right? And, and here, the pronunciation of God's name, particularly in, in the context of cursing, is a way of basically saying, there's no God. And I'll show you. I have, I have power over God. I'm going to use God's name like it's a tool I can pull out of my pocket for my own interests. And by doing that, I'm basically pushing God out of the picture. And, and yet Moses uses God's name, according to the Midrash, to kill the Egyptian. Which is because Moses' whole life is about embodying God's name in the world through action. Right, meaning what Moses does is push the story forward in order that God's name become known. What this person is doing is reducing God's name to a tool and, and thus basically eliminating the live unfolding relationship and saying, oh, well, God's name is a utility. You can use it for good, you can use it for bad, but this not. It's not like there's actually a being here that is asserting a will. And with that, Rabbi Mike Foyer, with that idea of the name, of recognizing God's name in this world, uh, we also recognize the names of people who fell today, and today is a day of names. It's a, it's a, it's a day of naming those people. And that's why I ask people, give me a name. My name is Tom Kareen. That's the name I remember. Tom Kareen was a commander of mine uh, in the army, and he died, uh, was killed, and fell uh, in a in a uh, Hezbollah ambush uh, in 1996. I knew him. Uh, I knew him 
relatively well. I knew him, but uh, and I remember the last time I saw him because we actually weren't so friendly. And and uh, I was standing at a guard post, and from a distance I saw him walking, and he saw me from a distance, and I like waved to him, which was like not exactly the way our relationship was. And I remember, I remember to this day how broadly he waved back at me. Hmm. That was the last time I saw him, and and it was just I remember thinking to myself, boy, I didn't know we were f- close friends, but the way his gesture was like, I'm your friend, and and maybe I am his friend, and that I I help memorialize him. Uh, through talking about him and, and even writing about him. In any case, Rabbi Mike Foyer, Beit Midrash Shalom Yaakov, Spiritual Cafe. Thank you so much. Parshat Emor is in the book of Leviticus, chapter 24. More power to you. I hope to see you next week, Bezrat Hashem. And all of you, please write me an email, yishai at thelandofisrael.com. If you have questions for Rabbi Mike, you can direct them through me, or I could even send uh, you know your initial email to him and, and connect you. And he's, of course, at his website, which is sulamiaakov.com. Dot com and stay tuned uh, for the Lone Soldiers Ceremony uh, uh, from Ammunition Hill, the Memorial of Fallen Soldiers. Rabbi Mike, thank you very much, and Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. And Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting on the land of Israel. Dot com from Jerusalem to the world, and right now I'm in a very important place in Jerusalem. This is actually Givata Tachmoshet. I'm looking at one of the giant flags of Jerusalem that from the Mount of Olives you could actually uh, see it waving here. And we're in what was once a Jordanian fort, and this Jordanian fort uh, was taken in the Six Day War uh, with the big losses to the paratroopers who fought uh, through the uh, the ditches and the the hard battle that was in this fortified fort. Uh, today, it's a museum. It's a museum uh, of education, of uh, paratrooper heritage, of Jer- the story of capturing Jerusalem, and of really the Six-Day War. And there's even a song written about uh, this, um, this, this spot and the battle that took place here. You say to any Israeli, Givat HaTachemoshet, they know exactly what you're talking about. Zevik Ben Shachar is the Director of Education, Israel Education, at Jerusalem U. He's at this event today, uh, and he's a good friend. He's going around the world teaching people about Israel and, and, and Israeli identity and our rights to this land. Zevik, what are you doing here at the program today? Oh, I forgot to say, today is about to, It's the sun is setting, and soon it's going to be uh, Israeli Memorial Day. And we're going to be remembering the fallen the heroes, the people who sacrificed for us to be able to stand here in freedom in our country with this flag waving, this beautiful blue and white flag in this beautiful Jerusalem and this beautiful uh, beginning of summer day. Zevik, tell me what you're doing here in the program. Well, I'm actually here um, representing my a cappella group, Culture Shock, and uh, we're going to be singing three songs about Israel, about Jewish identity, uh, we're going to be part of this uh, ceremony. I'm very uh, moved by the occasion. Okay, so so sometimes here in Israel, there's like nouveau art and all kinds of ways to describe Israeli culture. I find it sometimes to be I don't know. I don't. It doesn't always jive with me exactly. Tell me what your songs are really about. How do you how do you bring out through culture and through um, an, you know, an alternative to like plain text or just reading in your songs that you're going to be singing how are you going to be bringing out the story of Israel and how are you going to make people and this is one of the key challenges at events like this to make people emotional about this day um, we perform a variety of songs some English songs some uh, Israeli Hebrew songs today we're going to be performing three Israeli songs um, one is the hope Hatikva. 
the national uh, anthem. We're going to be performing that. Um, but we're also going to be singing a song called Arim Roshi, which means to hold your head up high and to be uh, proud. Um, and I think it represents this occasion. We are here in Jerusalem, liberated, united Jerusalem, um, singing um, for the Jewish world, for uh, Israelis, um, Jews, Christians, Muslims alike here in the liberated Jerusalem, celebrating our freedom here. Uh, this is no small thing, and I never take it for granted. Indeed, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of blood beneath our our, the, our feet right now. The soil that we're walking on has has been watered with with Jewish blood. There's been some statements recently made by even the deputy uh, chief of staff of the Israeli army equating uh, Israelis sometimes and even the Israeli army to the Nazis. There's been a big stir here in the country. Everybody's talking about it. I even spoke to two people today, important people. Both said to me that it marred their Israel Memorial Day uh, that, that the statements were made. And one of the big challenges that Israel has right now is disillusion of identity, a loss of... Um, uh, knowing the justice of its cause. And if it's true in Israel, it's so much more true out in the United States and other places where the Israel narrative is easy kind of to dispel, where you could just falsify images and, and talk about certain things and kind of make people forget about the big story of the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel and the national liberation movement of the Jewish people. Uh, you deal a lot with that. You're out there in the trenches, not these trenches in Givat Tachmoshet, but those on American campus. How do you bring people into a consciousness of Jewish identity in this battle uh, for identity? The main message is that uh, Israel is our land, unapologetically so. The Israel is the homeland of the Jewish people, and we're proud of it. Um, I try not to link Israel um, and its existence to the Holocaust or to any other uh, persecution or sufferance that the Jewish people uh, have gone through. Um, I think uh, we make a mistake when we make that um, link. Um, this is our homeland because it's been our homeland for the last 3,000 years. We've had a continuous presence here. Um, we came back um, in the 1880s to um, bring back uh, Zionism alive and to establish a state and we're here because it's ours because we have the right to it because of the justness of the cause not because the Jewish people need a safe haven okay uh, speaking of safe haven one of the reasons that we do have a safe haven is because uh, Jewish fighters put their life on the line and have given up uh, their lives for the state of Israel all of us here in Israel have somebody that we remember that either died in battle in the army or in terrorism, which we link up also to, uh, on Yom Hazikaron Memorial Day. One person uh, that you remember today that kind of, uh, when you think about it, that's like the day that you recall his or her memory? This is someone that um, I wasn't um, acquainted with personally, but he was in my unit. I served uh, with a unit called Sayeret Givati. It's an infantry unit. Um, and... Um, he was involved in a, an operation in Lebanon um, where five soldiers in our unit were killed. Now, he survived it, but he came out with uh, sh uh, shell shock. And uh, he was never the same afterwards. And three years uh, after that operation and after that uh, uh, battle, he took his life. And, um, and so I think when we um, commemorate... Uh, 
this day, we think not only of the fallen soldiers, but also of the um, soldiers that are alive and carry the memory and carry the stories and carry the um, um, painful and tremendous uh, impact that war has. Indeed, and uh, on, their, uh, on the weight that they carry in, in the infantry and also in their hearts and, and, and in their souls, uh, this country is built. And I always remember what my friend told me, that uh, one day in Auschwitz, in one day Auschwitz at full capacity killed more Jews than all of the wars of Israel combined. And uh, it's an honor uh, to, it's a sad and tragic honor to die for the rebuilding of a Jewish state. And if you would ask anybody in the Holocaust, uh, would they switch, if they had to die, would they switch um, their lot with, with an Israeli soldier they certainly would have but they also died uh, be, being Jewish for proudly being Jewish and um, now uh, we are here commemorating this day and I want to thank you very much Zavik Ben Shachar and thank you for sharing that story thank you very much Ishai and thank you for uh, all the important work uh, you're doing for the Jewish people alright folks you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer show and I'm here uh, at Givata Tachmoshet uh, Ammunition Hill in Jerusalem and we're about to transition into Yom Hazikaron, 24 hours of uh, memory uh, of those who sacrificed for the Jewish people, for Israel, f- for us to be able to stand here in Jerusalem. Uh, and then we transition from that to Yom Ma'ud, Israel Independence Day. Really a brilliant masterstroke of Israeli ingenuity was to couple Memorial Day together with uh, Independence Day because it's like in America, Memorial Day is like sales and stuff. You don't remember. Here it's like you think about the soldiers, you think about the sacrifice, and you transition from that into Independence Day. It was I think it was a masterstroke of, of social engineering there. We really, for a lot of people here in Israel, the holiest day on the calendar is Israel Memorial Day. That's what a bus driver told me today. He said the holiest day of the year is Israel Memorial Day. And I think there's a, there's a beautiful thought in there. I'm standing with two awesome gentlemen. One is Akiva Werber, who is the uh, former project director of Aliyah for English-speaking countries for the municipality of Jerusalem. And also he was at the Jewish Agency for years and years. And yet, Akiva, you look better than ever before you have uh, become uh, healthier than ever before you've lost a lot of weight and you're also volunteering with a lot of stuff we're going to get to you in just a second and also jeff dalby who's the director of the israel office of the zionist organization of america and we got a lot of the good people uh, and i see more and more people that i know coming into this very special ceremony which is by the lone soldier center uh, in memory of Michael Levine and, and uh, a, a, a night to remember those who have fallen. So let's start with you, Akiva. Akiva, first thing, how come you look so great? Tell me about that. Well, it's a, it's a wonderful thing when you are able to work um, and do things that you enjoy doing, uh, which are not only fun things, but a benefit for other people and for Am Yisrael in Eretz Israel, and it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to be part of that. Can't be anything but happy. So you've brought thousands of people to the land of Israel and Aliyah and to Jerusalem. You basically, like Rav Cook, you first made Aliyah to the land of Israel, and then and then and then to Jerusalem. You had like two Aliyot, myself as well. Uh, you've you've done that in your life. Uh, now you're involved in a lot of organizations. You're volunteering. You've got twelve grandkids, Kanahara, uh, and you're exercising and looking great. But tell me a little bit about what we're doing here today, from your experiences, uh, Israel experiences. What is Yom Hazikaron about, and what are you doing here? Well, there, there are two important things. First of all, as you said, it's, it's social engineering. That's a brilliant stroke in Israel's side. But it's really basics of uh, motherhood and apple pie. We're saying thank you. 
Uh, we wouldn't have what we have today were it not for the sacrifice of our children, our, our parents, our friends, who understood the importance of coming on this, in this generation, on this stage, where we are, despite ourselves, being given by God the greatest miracles and the greatest opportunity in Jewish history to be able to come back and combine our people in our land doing what we're supposed to be doing by helping first and foremost the Jewish people in coming back home and then through that creating a better world. And this is really what's uh, significant about Yom HaZikaron, first and foremost saying thank you to those who have given us this uh, and our opportunity so that tomorrow we can celebrate Israel Independence Day after 2,000 years. Akiva, I like to ask everybody uh, in, your, in your long sojourn here in the land and your many experiences, there's probably one name that, 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 that kind of comes up during Yom HaZikaron, at least one person that like wells up and you're like, oh, him or her, I remember them, they, they either fought and died in battle or, or in a terrorism. Uh, who's that person for you today? Well, today I'm here because of Michael Levin. Um, Michael uh, was a, a wonderful, uh, energetic, ideological young man who came here to Israel in order to serve the Jewish people. It hurt him that he was in America watching his peers here in Israel being able to defend the Jewish people in the Jewish homeland, and he couldn't sit in America watching that. And Michael came here in order to be able to do that service. Um, it's even a longer story than that because he had been home on vacation uh, when war broke out here in Israel. And he broke that vacation and ran from his parents, who he loves and wanted to be with so dearly and was waiting for that vacation in order to come back because he couldn't bear the fact that his friends were out defending his people and he wasn't there to be part of that. And I honor that memory of this hero. Did you know him? Yes. Uh, I wasn't as involved with Tiki in helping him out in the Army, though I was involved in the very beginning, but I was then in Shlichut in, in New York. Uh, that day after, I, I called Tiki to get some information about some of our Olim who were here, and he told me the terrible, terrible news that he was on his way up to a funeral for, for Michael. So we all have people that, that we remember, uh, and uh, Akiva, you've been involved so much in bringing people to land of Israel. Jeff Dalby, uh, Director of the Israel Office of the Zionist Organization of America, you help Israel stay strong by helping uh, policies around the world be shaped in favor of Israel and also uh, stand strong for Jewish communities like the community I work with in Hebron or the Mount of Olives where I live. You're involved in all of those things. Uh, what is Yom HaZikaron for a person like you uh, who's really put all their life into pro to strengthening Israel so that Jews wouldn't die, but uh, Memorial Day still happens, that sacrifice still happens. What's Memorial Day for you? Memorial Day for me is, uh, first of all, very much uh, like what Akiva just described. Uh, by the way, uh, Akiva is my role model. Uh, I always say when I grow up, I want to be Akiva Werber. Uh, he was Mr. B'nai Akiva when I was just a lowly chanich, a lowly madrich and marakeh sniff in B'nai Akiva. So uh, he is very much in New York, in New York. In fact, uh, he was in my, in my shevet. We don't want to talk about how many years ago that was, but in my shevet, shevet nachshon, he was Mr. B'nai Akiva. He was also my shliach aliyah. So uh, we have a lot in common. 
Uh, what is it for me? Uh, for me, I think it will be embodied in what I do tomorrow and what I've been doing the last few years, and that is going to your mountain. That is going to our mountain, uh, Harazetim. Why? Because there are 228 lone soldiers, Chayalim Bodedim, that are buried there. When? From? They were from 1947-1948 battle for Yerushalayim. They were Nitzulei HaShoah. They were survivors of the Shoah. Many of them, most of them, perhaps even all of them, I'm not sure, uh, did not have any family to speak of. So when I found out about this phenomenon back in 2012, I teamed with a group of volunteers, Orthodox not Orthodox, Hebrew University students called Tzirim, Laman Yerushalayim, young people for the benefit of Jerusalem, volunteers, who then uh, worked with the gymnasium, a secular high school in Rechavia here in Jerusalem, to study about some of those soldiers, bring them up, and have a Yom Hazikaron ceremony there, uh, speaking about these soldiers, because they have no family that visit them. That's what Yom Hazikaron means for me. Taking lone soldiers and having them work, having them defend our nation. It goes from the individual to the group and encompasses everybody and every subgroup in between. So Yom Hazikaron for me means the unity of the people and the land and the Torah of Eretz Yisrael. So Akiva Werber and Jeff Dalby, thank you so much, gentlemen. It's great that I, I had a feeling when you walked over, I, I had the feeling that you had some kind of connection. That was a great story about your connection. It's also the, the story of generations, uh, of, of the activists uh, who have worked so long and, uh, and so hard to... Even more than that. Now that we made Aliyah and we made the start and we're here in Israel, now we can start the mission here in Israel in bringing us all together and building a better society. This is only the start, making Aliyah. Akiva Werber, Jeff Dabby, thank you so much, gentlemen, and uh, may, may the memory of the fallen be blessed, and happy Independence Day. Chag Sameach. And thank you so much, Yishai, for all you do. All right, folks, we are still here at Ammunition Hill, and uh, Memorial Day is about to come down. Sun's coming down. It's actually kind of cold here in Jerusalem, but you may not feel that if you're watching this broadcast, and this broadcast is, I'm taping it certainly, but it's going to go out there live, because there's a company here called Be There Israel, and Be There Israel, they're actually there at a lot of hot events, uh, sending it out to the world. We're using the power of technology to connect people to Israel, to connect people to live events. And Shani here, Shani Cooper, right? That's right, is, uh, is I think the director of Be There Israel. Is that correct? One of, One of the directors. There's a lot of good directors here. And you guys, I see you everywhere I want to be and everywhere that I want other people to be. You're there bringing people virtually, digitally, uh, to Israel. You just came back from Poland from eight days of broadcasting March of the Living and now you're broadcasting Memorial Day and you're doing this as a volunteer. Your company's volunteering the service for this one because of, of the importance of it. Tell me a little bit about the last eight days and then tonight. Well, the last eight days were incredible. 
overwhelming in emotion and excitement and the ability that we could bring so many people to Auschwitz-Birkenau for Yom HaShoah. When March of the Living brings 10, 15,000 young people and other people there to see what happened and to know that we're still here and alive, and we were able to broadcast that to over 40,000 viewers, it really brings the, the world closer together and closer to understanding that we will not live that way again. That's amazing. And you went from Poland, and, and I, I'm just wondering about the technical aspects of having to deal with a different uh, you know, internet and, and all that kind of stuff and connecting with the government or whatever it is to make sure that you're able to broadcast. And now you're coming here, and kind of a little bit the opposite of the Holocaust in some way is Memorial Day. Memorial Day, as, as an ex-soldier for the U.S. military, it means a lot to me, Memorial Day. As a Jew and Israeli living here, Yom HaZikaron means so much more. It's more than just Memorial Day. It's remembrance and remembering our entire history and everyone who has fought, lived, and died to give us the freedom that we enjoy today. To be standing here in Israel, my grandparents would have cried and dreamed for this moment. And I live here. I live the moment. And it can't get better than that. Not only are you living the moment, but you're helping tens of thousands of people live it through Be There Israel, an incredible organization which is using technology, bringing Israel to the world. Daniel here is your what? Daniel, what's your position? We're partners in the company. You're awesome. Also, you're a great movie maker. I've seen you do a lot of different videos, a lot of different things. Video is such a powerful medium today. Also, live video really makes people feel like they're there. Tell me about the last eight days and today. Well, thank God. We're privileged to work with some really great organizations. Um, I mean, we like the technical aspects of what we do, and we're really privileged to be able to do it for things that matter, like helping March of the Living connect so many people to Israel and to their Judaism, and being able to volunteer tonight for the Michael Levine Lone Soldier Center and help them support all the programs that they're doing to help the lone soldiers that are here and to bring more lone soldiers. There's a lot of people who make Aliyah to Israel to serve in the IDF because they feel that Israel is an important part of Judaism and they want to help defend that. You've also done a lot of Aliyah, the, the Nefesh Benefesh landings. What other kinds of events do you do? Uh, we do anything from helping families who are here connect uh, when they're making an event like a wedding and can't necessarily bring everyone to, you know, corporate events for some Israeli companies that have different branches all around the world. and. They want to be based in Israel because they feel passionate about doing business here, but it's a global economy and they need to be able to be based here and still be connected to everyone else, everyone, everywhere else. So I've been to like weddings and stuff like that where you have the regular camera guy who's making the video of the wedding and then you have these, these Be There Israel guys running around making it like a show, uh, getting that broadcast out to people in, in different places. So you guys are like, you guys are like life cycle, life cycle of, of the Jewish world of Israel uh, to the world. It's a great company and it's very important. I want to thank you so much for also volunteering tonight. Uh, we continue to be soldiers. We continue to be soldiers and today's soldierness is also about consciousness. There's a lot of people that want to doubt our rights. And, and, and doubt our story and by sharing this you're really strengthening that consciousness I definitely agree with that um, to be conscious of what Israel is today and to be a Jew living in a world where Israel exists that's a consciousness that needs to be highlighted and brought to the world there you go alright guys I want to thank you so much and the website is uh, our website is jerusalemmediagroup.com and you can see any of our live streams at livestream.com slash bti which is for be there Israel be there, Israel. That's simple. All right, gentlemen. Thank you so much. And may the memory of those who have uh, fallen be blessed. And may we, may we be strengthened through them. Amen. 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 
All right, folks, we're here at Givata Tachmosheh. The Givata Tachmosheh tune is in the background right now. I've already explained about the importance and the symbolism of Givata Tachmosheh. I'm here with Ari Kalker, who's the director of special programs at the Lone Soldier Center. Ari, when I was um, a lone soldier 20 years ago, there was no lone soldier center. Lone soldier meant what it doesn't mean today. It meant you were alone. Okay, today, organizations like yours embrace the soldiers and, and give them a sense that they're not totally alone, that there's a general mission about more and more Jews from throughout the world coming here to serve Israel, to help Israel, to defend Israel, and they're going to be embraced by somebody. That's an amazing thing. Tell me a little bit about or the organization, and tell me especially about tonight, why you made a special Memorial Day event. This is, you know, this is for the lone soldiers that aren't here with us anymore, yet you're doing this event today. Tell me about that, Ari Cocker. So 13 years ago, when I served as a lone soldier, there also was no lone soldier center. It wasn't until 2008, 2009, when uh, we found the lone soldier center and we started having a place for lone soldiers to not be so alone anymore. Over the years, there have unfortunately been more lone soldiers added to the list of the fallen. And it became more personal for us and our volunteers and our staff that we would go to other ceremonies every year and we'd remember our brothers like every other soldier that fell in battle. But for us, it was a little bit more personal. For us, we felt that as we came and vol- we, we weren't drafted, we, weren't, we, we came out of a total sense of volunteerism and a, pure, a pureness, so to say, with no one forcing anything on us. We wanted to remember our brothers that fell a little bit differently. Um, this year will be, this begins now, the, the cycle of 10 year, the 10 year anniversary of the Second Lebanon War which is when um, Michael Levine, who the Lone Soldier Center is named after, fell in battle. Um, and we felt it appropriate that the first, the first Yom HaZikro and Tekes that we do would be at a significant historic point. And 10 years, 10 is a good round number to start. It's a good place to start from and move forward. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about three specific soldiers who fell in battle. Um, Avi Grogan, who was originally from Phoenix, who fell as a medic treating wounded soldiers um, in the, one of the battles in the first Lebanon war. Just a, I want to pause you for a second and just say, when you say fell, that means, you know, that's a very, you know, it's a word that, 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 that is meant to connote something. The bottom line is you understand when Ari says fell, it means died. It means lost his life, gave up his life, fell in battle. And that's for you, but Ari, I just want to make sure people understand what it means because we lose those people forever. They gave it up uh, for the defense of Israel. You don't like that phrase. Go ahead. Fell in battle has a different meaning to me. Dying is death. It's it's the end of something. Regular people die. Normal people die. Plants die. That's the end. That's the end of their physical ability to do anything in the world. Falling in battle comes from the idea of falling down. You get back up. When someone falls in battle, their memory and their energy is carried on by the men they fought with and by the people they inspired by their actions. The people who fall in battle live on long, long after they fall. So defining falling in battle as dying, it's not, it's a disservice to the word. Okay, very, I really appreciate that point. Now you're talking about the first person that we uh, commemorate tonight? So tonight we're going to commemorate three people, like I was saying. The first one is going to be Avi Grogan, who's um, Michael Rabibo, who also was a lone soldier in the first Lebanon war. They were friends, they grew up together in Phoenix. Michael Rabibo from the tank corps. And his friend Avi Grogan, who was a medic in the Golani division, um, fell in battle in the First Lebanon War, tending to injured soldiers himself. 
and with his dying breaths was giving instructions to his fellow soldiers how to treat the wounded that he was taking care of. The second soldier we're going to talk about is Igal Arad, who was a Holocaust survivor who fought in the War of Attrition. He fought and earned a Medal for Valor here at Ammunition Hill in the Sixth Day War, and he fell in battle. He was in the Yom Kippur War, in the battle for the city of Suez. He was also a medic. Uh, he was killed in battle, tending to the wounded from his APC, which was hit by rocket fire. Um, the third soldier we're going to talk about, who's the, the namesake of our organization, is Michael Levine, whose story and his devotion to Israel has inspired not just his friends to create an organization, but has inspired the next generation of Jewish youth around the world to realize that caring about Israel means more than just putting an Israeli flag on your backpack and writing a letter. That caring about Israel is an action, it's something you do. And uh, his, his mother will be speaking about him. And uh, that's it's powerful stuff, that's what it is. And we're here at Ammunition Hill, which is such a symbolic place. Everybody knows Ammunition Hill here in Israel. It means sacrifice, it means Israel, it means Jerusalem. And, and it's an incredible kind of confluence that you're bringing lone soldiers which is something that like maybe Israelis weren't very conscious of and you're bringing that uh, uh, incredible story about Jews coming from throughout places around the world to Israel to defend Israel to the heart of Israeli identity here at Givat HaTachmoshet tell me a little bit about uh, the event tonight here so the event tonight here started as an idea we um we started bringing groups of soldiers before they draft here to Givat HaTachmoshet to learn about the concepts of bravery and courage in battle. And I was sitting here with the rector of the mountain, whose father fell fighting here, and he was saying how, I, I asked him what was going on here on Yom HaZikaron, because I was looking for a tekes to go to. And he said that this year, that the last couple of years, there has not been a tekes at Ammunition Hill on Yom HaZikaron. And immediately my, a light went off in my head, and I said, that's it. This is the perfect place to have a ceremony for lone soldiers. Um, the soldiers that all fought here were, were all reservists. Uh, a large number of them had originated from outside of Israel. Um, the statistics on which ones are lone soldiers and not, hopefully by next year, we'll actually have. Um, and it, it, just, it just felt right. This is the place. This, the, the mountain that we're on signifies courage and bravery in battle. It signifies going way above and beyond what's expected and courageous and, and going, take, taking bravery and courage to a whole new level. The soldiers entered this mountain with no intelligence, no aerial footage, nothing. They entered this mountain not knowing what they were getting themselves into. And they fought here bravely for four hours, a battle that people dreamed impossible to win. And the victory here was what really turned the battle for Jerusalem around in the Six-Day War and propelled everything forward. I thought, what more of a fitting place to have a ceremony to mark the... the the sacrifice of lone soldiers over generations than at Ammunition Hill. Ari Kalkar, Lone Soldier Center, Director of uh, Special Projects. Thank you so much for this evening, and thank you for uh, keeping the memory of la- alive of those who have fallen, and you're helping get up. Thank you, Ari. Thank you, Shay. All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. I want to thank you so much for being with me. Right now, I'm on the Mount of Olives overlooking the Temple Mount. My blue and white flag is flapping in the wind. My baby's next to me. The Jewish people are coming home to the land of Israel, and it's really all happening, but it doesn't happen without the incredible sacrifice uh, of generations, 
of, of men and women who lay down their lives for the rebirth of the Jewish people in the land of Israel in the service of God, really in the service of God. And I want to hear from you. So write me an email, yishai at the land of com. I want you to come visit me here in the land of Israel. I want you to come visit Hebron. And check out our website, hebron.com. Uh, and check out uh, our Facebook page. That's uh, Hebron Official. Facebook Hebron Official. You can connect to me, Yishai Fleischer. It's at Yishai Fleischer on Twitter and at Gmail. And you can find me also on LinkedIn and Facebook. We're all over the place to connect you. And the most important thing is that you stay connected to the story of the Jewish people, the land of Israel, and the dream of God, which is uh, to make a better world. That's exactly what's happening through this great return. And I want you to be part of it. Happy Yom Atzmoud. Happy 68th Israel. God bless you. Keep up the strength. Keep bringing light into this world. Israel, that's true about Israel, and it's true about you as well. Stay tuned. More great stuff is on the way. And Shalom. Shalom.